Hello. What's your name? What's your podcast? Well, my name's Kier Myron, and you're listening to episode 52 of The Question Bus. This is the last episode of the season, and I'm going to be taking a little break. So if you want to know when I'm back, uh, subscribing is probably the best way. Um, Because then when the podcast shows up Saturday morning at 3 a.m. when I normally upload this podcast, it'll be in your phone ready to go as you're traveling uh, from the Pacific time zone abroad. If you got a flight Saturday morning and you have your podcast set up to automatically update after three on Saturdays, then you'll be listening to me when that comes back. Um, I want to take a little break um, because I want to come back with something different um, for season two. Uh, Season one, uh, outside of the Ryan Clark interview, we're stuck in an airport. uh, Mostly interviewing people not from Vancouver. So my uh, current plan uh, is to come back with for season two or or for a future season i might, I mean I might switch it up, but I definitely want to do a season with uh people I know from the city from Vancouver, Canada, or people I've worked with because um, it's kind of like it's amazing that I've been able to at least personally that I've been able to record this many interviews with people I really didn't know before I started this podcast for the most part um or i or I loosely knowed or or vaguely knowed uh known. Like the grammar. I mean, um, this is one take, so there might be some some grammar issues, but feel free to write in with a correction if you find any. But yeah, I kind of want to come back and do more in depth, prepared interviews, just because like the interviews I do are pretty much minus the one where I interviewed the rapper Torre. Um, I didn't have to write the questions beforehand. I kind of just come and wing it, and that normally works for what I'm doing and kind of fits the format of being on the road with with a mic um, and kind of doing quick short interviews but I kind of want to come back and maybe do some more in depth um, yeah in depth interviews with people I know and people I've worked with I, I think they'd be cool with it because a lot of people are kind of like I, get, I, I feel some tension with the podcast because it's like I'm interviewing all these people that are not people I see very often, but the people I see every month at the meetup or people I work with I haven't interviewed. I guess I interviewed John, but that was in L.A. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think I think I want to come back with that. I, I'm more confident in my mobile setup. And, um, yeah, so that's the plan for season two. And... Uh, that's not all we're talking about today. This is, this is the grand finale episode. So what we're going to do is go through the three interviews I thought were the worst. <laughs> and they're not bad. Like, they're not, they're not bad. The people are not ma- bad. The games are bad. But um, not everybody makes the cut, I guess. So this is kind of the cutting room floor episode where I'm going to just unload these three interviews on you. Um yeah, and two of them are from Pack South, so two of them, are <laughs> two of them are about a year old, um, or more than a year old from when you're hearing this. Pack South, uh, I believe, was last weekend. Um, I'm recording this pretty close to the day too. Like I'm recording this at five twenty-five February second, twenty seventeen. So um, let's start with uh, this game called Light the Way. Um, which which uh, was one of the yeah uh, Pack South twenty sixteen is one of the first interviews I did. Uh, here we go. Good. Uh, so what's your name and what's your game? Uh, my name is Mylon Harris and I'm working on a game called Light the Way. How many people are you working on it with? Uh, I'm working with myself. Well, I'm working with a friend of mine and it's just two of us. So what what's the role breakdown between the two of you? Uh, so I'm mainly the artist along with a uh, level programmer. So I'll do like stuff like uh, enemies and um, you know moving platforms, stuff like that, along with all the art. And then my friend's doing a lot of level design along with most of the um, more intense programming. Okay, so so you guys are both programming. How do you, how do you guys like manage who's doing what? Uh, we just talk to each other. Um, we use a app called Discord. Uh, it's sort of like a TeamSpeak mixed with, mixed with Skype. 
And so we just message each other, and I'll say, you know, I'm going to work on this enemy AI, and he'll say, okay, I'm going to work on this, or, you know, we, um, we sync it all through GitHub, so um, we'll be able to, you know, sync the um, files easily. So did you guys start working on multiple games and then kind of come to this game as a, as a what you guys wanted to put, your, put more work into, or was it always just going to be this game? Well, we, he had had this game idea for a while, and he had prototyped it before, and so um, I recently actually got a 2D lighting asset off the Unity Asset Store, and so um, we were both working on separate projects, and we just wanted to get something out with our name on it, so we decided, you know, we're going to put those on hold and just go together and, you know, get, the, the, get this project done. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, so when I, when I ran into you, I asked you if you had a booth, and, and you guys didn't have a booth this year. Um, are you guys planning on showing on a show in the near future? Uh, yeah, we're actually planning on um, getting to RTX with a friend of mine. We're going to split the booth cost, and so we should probably be showing at RTX. Um, if not that, hopefully PAX East. Have you, I mean PAX Prime, my bad. Do you guys have like a local meetup where you're from where you can show the game? Uh, well, we actually, he's from California and I'm from Houston, so um, we don't, he goes to meetups there and I go to meetups here. Uh, we don't actually interact um, in person very often. Uh, I've met him once, so um, you know, we don't interact in person, but we, um, we go to our local meetups in the different areas. Did, uh, do you guys get to meet up at events like this? Uh, not often. Um, we're hoping to do that when we um, go to RTX, um, but yeah, not often. Uh, so how's the Houston developer meetup? Uh, it's pretty good. There's a um, Unity meetup, which is run by um, a guy who's been in the industry for a while, and um, you know he knows a lot about Unity. And it's actually held at um, the Art Institute of Houston, so one of the instructors is a part of the meetup too. Um, along with that, there's a game dev show and tell meetup where people show off their games and network and stuff, so that's cool. And they also have a IDGA um, meetup where at a bar there, so there's a good amount of meetups there. Okay, and how big are the meetups? Uh, the Unity one normally runs around 10 to 15 people, and then the Game Dev Show and Tell, depending on the day, um, is normally about like 20 people. Um, because a lot of people, you know, they, if they want to get into game development, they just go to it and like see what people are doing. So, uh, so is the is the are the Houston development uh, meetups like are you guys like a close tight knit? community do you guys know everybody oh yeah definitely we um you know there's a guy named brandon who um helps run some of the meetups and uh yeah he's connected with pretty much everyone um i know him i know people who teach at the art institute you know it's it's a small community did, did you go to the art institute uh no i did not actually i'm in high school so oh okay all right i yeah i went to the i'm from vancouver and went to the art institute for oh, cool. like game programming yeah um yeah it's uh yeah, you kind of have that, like, if you, those schools tend to have, like, kind of a community of people that went yeah. to it or the people you know and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so what's the biggest, I'm, I'm not very familiar with Houston uh, from a game development standpoint, what's the biggest game to, like, come out of Houston? Um, I'm not even sure if there's been a big game come out of Houston. Uh, I know that there's actually a booth here, uh, the guys are called Shiny Box, and they're doing a game called um, Dungeon Quest, and they've been published, they, were on, they got on the App Store um, around two and a half years ago. And so um, they're they're doing pretty well with that. Um, it's a like free to play sort of like Diablo S game, and so um, that's one of the biggerish games I know. But um, I'm not sure of any other companies. There's also um, Virtuax Omni developing the um, basically a multi-directional treadmill for video gaming. Um, they were based in Houston, but they moved to Austin. So. Oh, did did they ever bring that crazy treadmill thing around to the meetups? Uh, no, I don't think they brought it ever to a meetup. But um, they were at South by Southwest Gaming, and um, I saw them there and talked to the guys. They're pretty cool. Yeah, South by, I, we went to South by Southwest Gaming last year um, and had a yeah had a good time. Um, so what's the kind of breakup of uh, like Houston's development scene? Is it like mostly mobile, or is it like um, educational, or what? Uh, there's a pretty wide variety. Um, myself, I make um, you know like just smallish indie games. You know, we're trying to like just get a few titles out there, sort of um, you know simple but fun. Then there's um, a few mobile developers there, um, a good amount actually. And uh, one of them's uh, working on a like virtual reality sort of game and for mobile. And then there's um, also the, like I said, the Virtuax Omni, which is virtual reality, along with um, some people doing serious games. Um, there's a guy who actually started the um, Houston Game Development um, Show and Tell Meetup. Uh, he's working on he does serious games like educational stuff. Okay. Um, so you said you worked on uh, smaller games in the past. Have you like distributed those through HIO or? Uh, the only games I've actually finished have been for Ludum Dare. So um, and those aren't of the quality I want to actually publish something in my name. So um, I have those out there, but not officially like published. I haven't tried to market them or anything. So. What, what were your but but with Ludum Dare? Oh, because with Ludum Dare you don't have to post what you made. 
Uh, you do, but it's only on the Lumda website, so you don't have to like try to like publish it on anything else. So like you know, you don't have to go through itch.io or Steam or anything like that to have it rated. So it's only on Lumda for me. How'd you how'd you find the Lumda experience? Uh, very stressful, but um, a good experience, and it's really fun. Um, you know, I'd like to try stuff like uh, Global Game Jam, where you actually go to a site to do it instead of it's all online, because I feel like that'd be more um, encouraging working with the team in person. Um, you know, it'd be a lot less, well, maybe not less stressful, but it'd be a lot more um, motivating. But um, overall, it was a fun experience. Is there, is there a Texan Global Game Jam? Uh, yeah, it's held at the, uh, well, there's a few, actually. There's one at the um, University of Houston, um, Clear Lake uh, Community College, and then there's also one at the Art Institute. And um, both of those, um, I know the Art Institute one gets sponsored by a few companies. I'm not sure what, but um, and then the, I'm not sure about the UHCL one, but um, the, yeah, there's a few of them. Are you, are you planning on going to those on the next chance? Well, actually, the Global Game Jam is this weekend, and so um, and it was last year at the same weekend as PAX South also, and I've been at PAX South both years, so um, I haven't gotten a chance to go to it, but um, if they happen to have it on a separate um, weekend than PAX South, I will definitely go. Yeah, yeah, the... The Vancouver, which is where I'm from, Global Game Jam is happening uh, right now. So yeah. I'm seeing those in my social media feeds. Of, but they get like crazy numbers. Like I think like two, three hundred. They ran out yeah. this like huge room uh, in a university, a very nice university, and, and uh, kind of do it there. So, so what were your Ludum Dare entries? Uh, one of them, the theme was um, connected worlds, and a lot of people were doing stuff like you know space stuff. And I took a different approach. I like to try to um, you know, do more unique stuff. So I thought connected worlds, I thought dimensions. So um, basically my game was you press the key and it would switch dimensions. So let's say there's a platform in dimension one and platform above that in dimension two. You would jump on the platform while in dimension one, then jump up and change dimensions mid-air and then land on the second one. And so, you know, you go through um, platforming levels like that. It's a first-person game, not um, 2D side scroller. So uh, you would, you know, jump around and do stuff like that. Um, and that was one of my entries. Um, and uh, another one was... Um, it was, I forget the theme, but basically I made a game where um, it was sort of similar, but basically instead of like um, switching dimensions and changing the platforms or like the visibility of the platforms, um, it would uh, change the gravity. So um, you know you would jump on a cube and then change the gravity, and you'd start flying for or up. So stuff like that. So back to back to your main game you're working on now. Yeah. Um, what uh, what do you need to do to show it at a show? Like, is it ready to go, or is there some stuff you guys want to accomplish? Uh, so right now we have uh, one enemy done, along with a test level, and uh, we have the main mechanics done. And so now what we need to do is add a few more enemies, which won't be too hard, and then just make a ton of levels. So um, to show it at uh, RTX, we're hoping to get um, a tutorial level along with like three test levels, so people can have like a you know sort of full experience of what the game's going to be like, um, with you know some complexity but not too much, so they get like too involved because you know we want we want to have people rotating in and out, you know, trying it out and stuff like that. So um, the goal would probably be just having a few test levels done along with more enemies. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for being on the uh, question bus. Anything you want to promote? Um, yeah, you can check out our website at atechstudios.com. That is A-T-E-C studios.com. Um, no hyphen or anything. And uh, we should have devlogs on there. So, Okay, great. I hope you have a great pack south. Yeah, you too. Thanks. And that's how you light the way. So the process of me doing this podcast is uh, pretty simple because, yeah, I mean, I'm making video games. Uh, not really a full-time podcaster. Don't really want to put a huge amount of um, effort or, or make a lot of work for myself because I want to keep it simple and easy and able to do it. Like, And, and it seems good enough. Um, so the most of the episodes are recorded on um, an H1 Zoom. Or is it Zoom H1? Google will probably figure that out for you. Uh, that's what I record most of the interviews on, and then I plug my headphones into the audio out and just listen to it as I record it. Um, the Tori interview, uh, this is recorded on a Blue Yeti, uh, neither of which are sponsoring me. Um, speaking of sponsorships, like if people do want to sponsor me, uh, sponsor the podcast, um, definitely hit me up. Because, um, yeah, it's a it's a real dumb podcast at times. So I think it being sponsored would definitely add to the joke. But once I do record the interview, what I do, 
is I take the raw wave and I bring it to mono. And then I export that mono um, into an, into another wave. And then I put that through Levelator, which is this great program uh, that if you podcast, I highly suggest. It's pretty simple. You drag a file in, um, the file comes out, and it, and it just kind of levels out all the the kind of dialogue or or i wouldn't put music through it i don't think like if you have music in your podcast i don't think levelator will will handle that well i I might be wrong but as you can tell i don't have a music intro at this point it's definitely something i want to do in the future but it's the type of thing that once you do it you can't take it away so once i do have an intro song that's just something you're going to have to hear every time or it's going to have to change and it's going to have to get updated and do a little Christmas one and do all that stuff. So um, kind of like the album art, uh, which will be updated in season two, guaranteed. Um, it's, yeah, it's just it's just simple and serviceable and does the job and it's something I did in a very limited amount of time. So, um, yeah, then when I take get that level later... Uh, file back and then just kind of convert that to an mp3 and uh, yeah upload it I host all my podcasts on Squarespace Um, Squarespace is pretty good uh, because it lets you host multiple podcasts at least when I signed up they might have changed that so it helps when you have podcasts that you've started with people um, that you didn't continue and you might continue in the future. It's nice to have those up there and have them on iTunes and have them subscribable and all that. Um, and then I kind of I, I changed when I tweeted about because Twitter is kind of the main form of of the podcast of how I let people know about the podcast. I kind of really bank on on retweets by the people on the podcast because I think that's probably the biggest group of people that like most people who follow me are probably aware of my podcast on twitter so it's nice when i get the other games or the other people to tweet about the podcast uh i don't see a huge like i can't look at a podcast episode and be like oh this this is drastically increased subscribers yet um but uh it definitely it definitely has increased week after week but i've started tweeting on mondays uh which which did help subscribers uh uh, when I made that switch, it, it definitely increased the amount of subscribers I gained a week, which was nice. Um, and uh, and also the the tweet was more um, interacted with as well. So uh, so yeah, I uploaded them on Saturday morning. So if you're a diehard fan, you're going to be listening to it at, when you make breakfast on Saturday or whatever or whenever you listen to your podcast. But um, but if you're like a casual fan or you don't listen to it yet, like Monday is the time I let you know. Um, I'm definitely gonna be playing around with with more um, with season one. I'm I'm gonna put it up on YouTube and put it up on SoundCloud and, and kind of put it up everywhere else. Uh, just just to see and go through that because um, yeah, I, I I'm interested in kind of hosting podcasts. So I think it's I, I think it's doing a podcast myself definitely gives me a, a better idea of what it takes. And and maybe maybe there's a scenario where I'm I have multiple podcasts I'm not even on or or something like that in the future. I mean, who knows? Um, there's a lot of a lot of things that could happen as far as me and podcasts. Um, as far as my other podcasts, like here here, I definitely do plan on um, updating, but I just I don't I don't know it. it it's definitely more work than the question bus, especially because like the pre-written stuff uh, received better with uh, the people who listen to it than me just rambling like this. So I have to and, and writing like an intro is is surprisingly hard for me. And and reading that intro, like I'm much better at just kind of turning on a mic and talking. Like it's a much more comfortable thing that I can do as opposed to. Uh, trying to write something funny and then reread it back. I mean, the sausages thing, maybe that was just a time and place. I mean, and also, like, the name of the podcast, like, kind of inspired me. Uh, um, so it's, it's, 
Yeah, but Kira Hero will be back. I mean, I just haven't been on any really like high profile podcasts that I would want to rehost. Um, I've definitely started saving questions that I've emailed or asked on podcasts. Um, which in that scenario, like I'm not very known. Like it's not only like yes, I've emailed into Dave Lang's podcast and Tim Rogers' podcast and gotten gotten plugs in that way but um i've yeah i kind of want to do that i think that would be good but it's also something that i feel like i don't really want to do like i don't really want to be scrubbing through people's podcasts and finding the question and editing it and then recording an intro and stuff like that so um yeah something on the back burner and and definitely will update it as i'm on more podcasts because i feel like having a podcast where like it's kind of a podcast feed for my mother in a way even though she doesn't listen to it um it's like because yeah it's hard to if you follow somebody like it's kind of hard to listen to every podcast they're on if they're guesting on podcasts and it's not it's not necessarily that uh great of an experience like fonte is one of my favorite rappers if not my favorite rapper and i love hearing him speak and he guests on podcasts and i i tend to listen to them on soundcloud because i don't really want to subscribe to a podcast uh just because they interviewed my favorite rapper so i kind of want to check it out and checking it out via podcast app is not necessarily that smooth at least with the podcast app i use uh which is beyond pod um so yeah, so Kirhir definitely be back. Uh, especially, it's kind of based on like when I get a good chunk of like quality interviews, I think that will kind of encourage me to jump back in. But um, so definitely uh, jumping back in, we're gonna keep that going. Um, and that was one take that that wasn't like a cut transition either, um, and probably could have been executed better. But uh, we're gonna talk about Town of Salem, which. Uh, was another interview I recorded at Pack South. Hello, what's your name and what's your game? Uh, I'm Blank. Uh, I'm Blake Burns of Blank Media Games, and the game is Town of Salem. What is Town of Salem? So Town of Salem is a online murder mystery game based on social deduction, where you get thrown into a town, no one knows who the other people are, and the bad guys have to slowly kill off the good guys while deflecting accusations and lying their way out of situations. Um, what platforms is it for? So we're on the browser uh, for free on our website. Um, we're also on Steam, and we're also coming to mobile uh, before April. And is it a free-to-play game? It is free-to-play on the browser. Um, on Steam, it's $5, but it comes with $5 of in-game currency that can be used to buy cosmetic items. Is there any extra challenges in running um, a free-to-play game based on the browser as well as having Steam as far as community? Yeah, I mean, they're com- two completely separate communities, really, and you have to manage them as such because they have very different wants and needs as people in their community. So the Steam users definitely want the game to be extremely solid and very fast, you know, because most games on Steam, you know, on the browser there's some loading times allowed, but on Steam you can't have any of that, you know. Um, so, as far as the Steam client, are you like downloading everything from a server to make sure it's accurate with the browser based, or are you calling for all that information straight from the uh, browser based server? Uh, bo- both versions of the game work from the same base. So they're always up to date with each other, and they're never out of sync. And the, so the Steam one pulls everything at launch, or is it still accessing everything like when you play? It's when, whenever you launch it, it checks to see if there's any updates and updates uh, based on that. And the browser uh, does the same, but it has to dyna- dynamically download those things at runtime rather than you know Steam gets to do it kind of as a patch before you, the game even launches. Did you use like the same kind of web web browser? rendering to do the Steam version, or do you write like a whole new client for Steam? Uh, right now, we're using the same rendering stuff. Um, we use Flash on, on uh, the website version, and we use Adobe Air to make that work on the Steam client. Um, but currently, we're rewriting our entire client base for mobile in uh, C++, and we're going to be transferring that over to Steam sometime in the near future. Uh, how is that uh, transition process from going from Flash to C++ going for you? 
It's going okay. It's a lot of work, especially whenever we tried to go down one road for mobile and had to scrap it completely and start over. You know, but C++ is our main language because that's what our server is written in. So it's been an easy transition to get it started, and it's just been a lot of work rewriting the entire client to get it to where we want it to be. If you had to give, like, as far as the code base, like a percentage of how much is in the back end and how much is in the front end, what would you say? I would say it's probably somewhere like 75, 25, is the, and the 75 is the back end, you know. It, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on in the server, and the client is more of a way to display what the server wants to wants you to see. Um, so are you running the server uh, yourself, or are you using like AWS? Uh, we're using Rackspace. Oh, okay. Is that like an AWS? It's, it's similar, uh, similar virt virtual boxes that you can spin up at any time. Um, have server costs, are they like a substantial part of your budget? Uh, so, yeah, the server costs aren't cheap, obviously, but they are not anywhere near uh, expensive enough to make us want to switch or do it ourselves because, you know, our biggest cost right now is definitely employees, you know. Whenever we started the company, you know, two years ago, it was just me and my buddy, and now we're up to eight people. Okay. Also standing off of the game. So that's definitely our biggest cost. Um, and for the mobile version, I take it, is there going to be a fair amount of UI um, updating? For the first pass, there won't be too much. There'll definitely be uh, some differences here and there because we're going to tablets first. Um, and that's going to allow us to do minor UI updates to make sure that works. And then as we move to phones, there'll be more extensive UI updates. Uh, one thing I noticed about your booth, which I uh, thought stood out, is that you're showing a popular YouTuber streamer, um, Markiplier, yeah. um, as kind of like a demo trailer. Um, what uh, made you come to that decision? Well, Markiplier definitely has a presence at cons. You know, a lot of people walk by and recognize him, so that gets more traffic to our booth. And he's a really great guy. We've worked with him in the past, and you know, he likes the game, and uh, we have a good working relationship with him. Okay. Um, do, have you had a lot of streamer kind of coverage of your game? Yeah, definitely. Like, we're really popular on YouTube. You know, Mark is currently the biggest guy that's covered us so far, but that's definitely going to change soon. And uh, we've had people like Soda Poppin and Lyric pick it up on the Twitch side. So we've so, got some pretty large people. So you say that's going to change soon, but Markiplier is pretty big, big time. So does that mean there's something bigger coming? Maybe. Um, and then I guess my next question is, when you were designing the game, did you have, or when you were developing it, did you have the whole kind of Twitch playing games as an as a entertainment form in mind? Or is that just like something that's for your type of game. Yeah, I mean, it actually kind of just naturally happened. Like, we didn't plan for that. We never, from conception, decided that this would be a great game for YouTube or Twitch, but it just ended up that a lot of people jumped on it and liked it that way. Uh, and then uh, another question, are you getting more coverage on YouTube or Twitch? Uh, definitely YouTube, I think. Um, we, we do get the, the, the thing with Twitch is that it's kind of very spiky. You know, if you have a big streamer pick you up for a day, that day is really good but they might not play your game for another month. Whereas most YouTubers, when they pick up a thing, they make a series out of it where, you know, an episode comes out every week or so. So we get a lot more consistent stuff from YouTube and spikier stuff from Twitch. Okay. Um, and then you were saying uh, you have an eight-person team. What's the kind of, like, breakdown of that team role-wise? Yeah, yeah, we've got... Uh, I am the COO, but I am also a developer. Yeah. Uh, my partner is the CEO, and he's also a developer. And then we have uh, one, uh, two new guys we just hired on as developers. And then we have our lead client programmer, who's the most senior programmer besides me and me and my buddy Josh. And then we have a art director. And then we have a contract artist. And then we have a community manager slash QA slash a bunch of other stuff. So are like aesthetics of your characters, is that like a, the main way you're monetizing in the free-to-play game? Yeah, uh, we sell a lot of different cosmetics, which includes, you know, new characters slash avatars, uh, pets, houses, backgrounds. Um, we also sell things like scrolls that let you have a little bit higher chance of being the role that you want to be because it is a randomized game. And letting you tweak those odds a little bit in your favor lets us uh, sell something to the people that really want to be certain roles. Um, and how much uh, art, how much does deception, which is core to your game, uh, affect the art style? I, I think the biggest thing is that it has to 
our art style juxtaposes onto the, the idea, the content of the game, where you have these cute cartoony type characters, but they're sitting there lying and killing and, you know, we have burned at the stake animations and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a very comical kind of thing because you see these cartoon characters in these very grotesque situations and it kind of makes it funny rather than morbid. Do you have data on how people uh, prejudge each other based on their avatars? Like, is there a pirate, if there was a pirate outfit, are pirates not trustworthy? Like, do you have the data to kind of say that? We definitely have, uh, back in the day before it was easier to get town points and it was much harder to get these skins, um, there was definitely a preference for people that have the bought skins to be targeted first because they're known as the better player because they've had enough time to save up the coins for that. But these days, it's not that that hard to get get enough money to uh, buy one of these characters now. So pretty much everyone in the game will have a different character, and the actual individual avatars don't really uh, get targeted more than any other one. Does your game have like a play-by-email mode? Like, I take a turn. You take a turn. Uh, it's it's not turn based. It's it, it's a it's a strange combination between real time and phase based. So you have you know a minute and a half day phase to discuss what happened during the night, and then whenever you do all that, there's the voting phase that lasts about 30 seconds. So it's a fast paced thing, but there is uh, time limitations on each phase. Um, cool. Well, thanks for talking with me. Absolutely. Hope you have a good rest of the show. And good luck with the mobile versions. iOS and Android? Definitely. Blackberry? No. Windows Phone? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. We're back. Um, one thing I wanted to save for this grand finale, uh, episode 52, end of season one of the question bus, is uh, I wanted to go to my iTunes page and kind of just document what is on there um because i never looked at the reviews never really looked at any stats on itunes page and stuff like that so um yeah let's uh let's read this up so um in case you're unaware the description of the podcast is the question bus is a game industry professional interview podcast kier Marn, that's me um that's not part of the description so i'll just restart the sentence Kier Myron is a video game developer based out of Kitsilano, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and he is best known for working on the hit game Darkest Dungeon. Kier travels around the world interviewing other game industry professionals, some he knows and some he meets for the first time. The Question Bus, the public transportation of knowledge. I completely forgot that I made that the iTunes description, but still holds true. Darkest Dungeon still a hit game. I'm still in Kitsilano. Um... I'm, I guess I'm still traveling the world. I mean, that might change for season two. I mean, there might be some traveling, like, if I want to go talk to Tyler Sigmund uh, on this podcast and not on the Chase cast, um, I'm probably going to have to do that in Seattle. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, let's see. Like, what's the most popular episodes? Um, surprisingly... Uh, Invisigun, the first episode, very popular. Um, even though it's three minutes long, it's about like 18 of 20 bars. Um, Tim Rogers' first video about one, which is a great one, episode one, that's full, full 20 of 20 bars, I think. It's really high, like they're really small width bars, so it's kind of hard to gauge. Um, next one, um, Liam. Rom uh, of Barkley 2 Shut Up and Jam that was a big hit um, which is good I like him a lot he's a very funny guy uh, Tim Rogers again with a very popular 18 to 20 bar episode um, Tori episodes like medium uh, probably say like 14 of 20 bars which is kind of I think that makes it funnier just because like <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm super proud of that episode and i think it's hilarious that i interviewed a rapper that i backed on kickstarter but um it it, it i that popularity level definitely resonates with the reception of people that when i tell them i interviewed a rapper they're not 
that excited, mostly because they haven't heard of Torre, which is not Torre's fault. Torre is a great rapper, uh, very big uh, in the New York scene, hosts a satellite radio station. Like, he's not, because that's the one thing I learned. When I said, hey, I've interviewed a rapper, and I tell people that, they would assume I interviewed some guy in the street, some rapper trying to sell a CD at PAX or something, is, is what um, people assume when I say I've interviewed a rapper. But no, I interviewed like a credible rapper. Like, he's rapped with many a people. Um, but uh, when you're not knowledgeable about the music genre, um, that makes it difficult when you're not like a household name. Uh, but keeping it moving. Patrick Morgan of Gurgamoth. Popular episode. About as popular as the Torre episode. Um, Andy Schatz. Medium popularity. Tooth and Tail. Um, Michael Block. We Are Chicago. Got a good... Um, good popularity rating. Same... That, him, Torre, and Andy Schatz. All kind of similar. Uh, Tim Rogers. They, oh, they, when I interviewed Tim Rogers at E3. Very popular episode. Which is good. Because that's... Um, that's really special. Especially because most people have only heard the, the two Tim Rogers interviews. But the third Tim Rogers interview... Um, episode 23 that's really where we get to the nitty and gritty about video ball um, uh, oh and streamline is pretty popular I mean I bet this is also related to like uh, retweets and twitter followings and stuff like that um, but yeah that was a good interview because uh, yeah I can bang out a lot of these interviews at single events like not even conferences like there's this thing called the mix that happens at almost every convention that's kind of like a press uh indie dev kind of night though it really is like an indie dev demo night but it's usually like 20 30 games um and at e3 i went there um interviewed (laughs) um interviewed the man of william Manifold Garden William interviewed him on the way in, went up the interview, interviewed Andy Schatz, then followed that up by interviewing Seth Siviak uh, of Streamline. So I can get a lot of episodes going when I'm in my in my in my groove, um, which is why this podcast was able to happen because I'm going to these shows anyways to demo Darkest Dungeon because um, that's what I do. Uh, if Darkest Dungeon's being demoed, I'm probably there. I've been to, I think, the most shows on the team as far as demoing the game. Um, but yeah, so it's a... It's a very convenient way of doing this. Like, carry the microphone. I go on my break to from demoing the game. I can get an interview in and then come back. Or before the show opens, get an interview in. So it's super... And it's super easy for me to... Uh, do this format um so yeah then the the last two kind of popular ones um james silva of salt and sanctuary much more popular than michelle silva's episode um just cool and then ty taylor uh of tumblestone fame at steam dev days um he's probably one of the biggest fans of the cure here sausage intro um so I, I, I get that that's, that's kind of on brand with, with what we're doing and popular. Um, so, yeah. So those are the most popular episodes. Um, okay, on the bottom of the page, it says, Listeners also subscribe to the Game Design Dojo podcast, which I've never heard of, with Brian and Ike. Might be huge. I'm just saying what listeners also subscribe to. Uh, the Giant Bombcast, which... Makes sense. I'm a big Giant Bomb fan. Um, 99% Invisible. Uh, people all subscribe to that. That's a great design podcast. Kind of design of everyday things. Um, not everyday things, but just design of things in general. I do subscribe to that as well as the Giant Bombcast. Um, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Uh, never heard of that as well, but a podcast that my podcast listeners like. Um, which is kind of silly that I'm reading this out just because... If you subscribe to my podcast, it's probably how you're listening to this. And then I'm just saying what you're already subscribed to. Um, and then Serial. 
by This American Life, which is a drama podcast. Like it's kind of like a talk radio drama um, that I don't listen to because uh, I can't. I listen to podcasts and I love them, but I kind of always need to be able to miss something, and I'm worried about that with cereal. Like with cereal, I'm worried I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna miss, be doing dishes or whatever, and uh, or eating, however, whatever I'm normally doing when I'm listening to a podcast, walking around, and I'm gonna miss something, and it's gonna be crucial to the story. So I haven't actually listened to cereal at this point. Um, so yeah, so that's what's that's what's on the main page. Uh, now we're gonna go to. Um, well, let's just see if the website link works. Yep. Okay. Report a concern. No concerns have been reported to me. I'm not gonna test if that works. I'm also gonna click on Kiermaier and video game developer. That just brings this page up again. Um, but uh, that's fine. Let's go to the ratings and reviews. Okay. Two reviews. Um, Apparently, we've not received enough ratings to display an average score for this podcast. That's fine. Uh, the thing about reading the reviews is I can, like, I didn't want to make a call out for you to write reviews to read because I think that's kind of a, I'm probably never going to do this again. So review it if you want. It definitely helps the podcast, but um, I'm not losing sleep over, over iTunes reviews. Um, so the first one. Title of this review. This is on March 2nd, 2016. Occasionally Informative by Cybex. A fun, brief interview format that is occasionally informative. That's a very nice review. Four out of five stars. Thank you. Um, and then the second review on December 17th, 2016. Tiny Asian Lady says, Almost my favorite podcast. So both of those, very helpful. Now, I'm just going to see what happens if I click on Cybex. Oh, I get to read all of it, all of their reviews. Um, oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Well, let's read all of his reviews. Um, it's the grand finale, episode 52 of the Question Bus. Um, so he reviewed something called Mr. Robot, or they, they interviewed something called Mr. Robot 1.1. Five one extra filtration.ipa by Telltale Inc. Uh, and here's their review. Smartly implemented narrative. This game is a simulated text messaging app similar to games like Lifeline but set in the Mr. Robot universe. It has some neat nods to show and well-written characters. I feel like there could be could have been some other method of gathering information on characters than just text messages and user profiles, but the game does good with what it has. A bit shorter than initially seemed as well, but I feel like it's worth the price. Um, oh, oh, he's got 27 reviews. Okay. Deus Ex Go. I asked for this is the title and the body is great evolution of Square Enix Montreal's go franchise with the elements adopted from Deus Ex trials frontier faithful five stars. He also gave five stars to Deus Ex go and four stars to Mr. Robot this is a faithful version of trials. The controls work great and the game feels very polished. Okay. Uh, Sid Meier's ace patrol to the skies five stars Sid Meier proves that he is the king of conveying complex real world concepts into easy to play games that still retain a lot of depth one of the best strategy games on iOS okay Dark Horse Comics books they're iTunes what oh it's that's the format okay books not bad four stars it lacks interface and usability polish of the uh, chromixology apps but as the only place to read Dark Horse it's not that bad Space Team, hell of a game. He gave it five stars. Title, buy it. Body, buy it now. I personally would have just said now is the body, because I don't think you can see the body without the title. Tiny Towers. I don't know if I really want to do this. Let's see if he's reviewed any other podcasts. I don't know who this is, too. I have an idea of Tiny Asian Lady is, so I don't really want to browse her reviews. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Um, 
He reviewed Scott Pilgrim versus the World, or they reviewed it. Finest Hour, five stars. Edgar White manages to carefully balance six volumes worth of story in the running time of a two-hour film, and he comes out on top. Wright creates a new visual language for this film that flows like nothing else. It's really funny that you can browse this. I wonder if there's any iTunes celebrities as far as reviews. Like the like the food reviewer of iTunes. And apparently iTunes, there's only four pages. So I was wrong about the five pages. It says five. You click five, but nothing happens. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, go to the related tab. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I was reading earlier. And then there's other podcasts they recommend in video games, but that's not nece- that's not related to what I'm doing. Uh, it's related in that it's video games, but it's it's not related to the subscribers of my podcast. So, yeah, that's what's going on on iTunes. I mean, feel free to leave a review. Um, I yeah, pos- more positive review the better. Um, but yeah. We'll maybe revisit this, but no time soon. Um, so, how about another podcast? Well, not another podcast, another interview. This is Grand Finale, episode 52 of The Question Bus. Um, so, yeah, there's... Uh, I'm just going to let the po- I'm just gonna let the interview sell the game. Uh, this was uh, the most recent of the interviews of this episode, uh, which happened at PAX Prime 2016. Here we go. What's your name and what's your game? I'm Brian Allenson. My game is uh, Y2K, a postmodern RPG. Uh, what's a postmodern RPG? Uh, so um, basically, the game is inspired by postmodern literature, like authors like Haruki uh, Murakami and. Um, uh, drawing blanks on names right now. Yeah, okay, so it's inspired yeah, by it's, literature. Uh, so postmodern literature. What are, um, in what ways is, like, literature kind of, like, what are some examples of the way it influenced the, the game? Because it's kind of a very different medium, so. Yeah, um, well, you know, obviously the game has a story, but also some of the ideas from literature, like um, unreliable narrators, um, like intertextuality, things like that. Like, we have a message board in the game, that sort of like serves to give you extra information about the game's world, like a like a fake online like a fake message, message board. board with people in the game who post to it. So like the NPCs in the game post to the board, and you don't necessarily know who anyone is though because they all have different usernames and they will behave different online compared to how they behave in real life. Oh, so is that like kind of a reoccurring? Like, is that kind of a key part of the game? Is like. Uh, definitely, definitely. Like the sort of like duality of um, you know people's personalities, not just online and offline, but in general, different contexts. You know, amongst friends or strangers. And are there like kind of chat groups or different like topics on the message board that you can filter in? So the message board revolves around conspiracy theories, like the occult and um, really strange stuff like that. And uh, your character Alex um, is trying to like weed out the fake stuff from the real stuff. And he meets people from the board along the way. Okay, now it, I, it's a party-based RPG. Yeah. Are the other party members also on this message board? They are, yes. Okay, and um, so so how big does the party get? Uh, there are eight party members total. And are they all, like, forced in your party, or are they optional? Um... I probably shouldn't say that necessarily. Okay, yeah, no, that's cool. That that's a that's a good thing to keep guessing. Um, so I was looking at the two different stations you had set up, and there were two kind of drastically different settings. Um, the, like one was an apartment, and the other one was like some sort of outdoor um, kind of forest wilderness area with like tunnels and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's like um it's like a full like JRPG. So there's a lot of different areas. There's towns. There's like an overworld. There's dungeons, caves. You know, stranger things that you probably haven't seen in other games too. Um, so, what kind of J- JRPGs have you been drawing the most inspiration from? Um, I would say it's sort of a mashup of Earthbound meets Persona meets Wild Arms. If I were to pick three games. Okay. Um, and uh, 
which of the which of the personas? Um, is it most like Persona Four? I would say it's most like, as well as um, yeah, it's also got influences from Shadow Hearts and uh, uh, Paper Mario. So um, in battle, there's uh, different um, mini games which you have to use to execute different abilities in combat. Yeah, the moves I saw in combat, they all seem to be like music based. Is like music. Like, are they forming a band, or...? They are not. Um, the main character uses uh, fights with LPs because he's sort of like a record nerd. And then um, Vela has a guitar, but, like, the other guy fights with a katana. We have a character who has a camera. Uh, we have a character who's an android. And there's a character who fights with a hula hoop. And there's a guy who doesn't fight at all. He's a peaceful protester. <laughs> okay. So humor humor's a big... Uh seems to be a big part of the game yeah the game goes from very humorous to very serious like you know very quickly as a as a designer how do you kind of time that transition like do you have like a formula you're going with or we don't have a formula um i think a lot of it was learned from playing games like Link's awakening and um earthbound where they have a lot of like uh sort of like switching different emotions like very quickly I think we just sort of got heavily influenced by those games growing up. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Okay. Um, so you're showing at the Mega Booth. A lot of there's not a lot of like kind of slower RPGs. Is there anything you did for the show to kind of make it demo? Because like a JRPG is something you're going to spend tens of hours in. You're going to get really deep in the characters. You're going to read all the text. And did you do anything special for the? the show to kind of for the demo uh definitely we cut down some like uh numbers of enemies which we've done in the game in general to speed things along like there aren't as many encounters as some other rpgs would have um for the show specifically we also um gave people a couple of options to skip past certain parts like when you first try to leave the house it asks you if you want to go straight to the dungeon or if you want to explore so we pretty much leave it up to players if they're the kind of person who just wants to get into it we give them that option, or if they want to just sort of meander around, looking at every little detail, they can do that too. Okay. Uh, what's the kind of combat system like? Um, so it's like a regular turn-based RPG, but you go to use any skill, and a mini game will begin. And then each character has different mini games, and um, some of those mini games will be modified by the types of weapons that you have equipped. So like Alex um, has. Uh, this like record that comes down and you have to hit colored sections on the record like as they come underneath the needle and uh, you can rack up combos that way were there any like unique challenges with developing those kind of mini games or like individual control schemes per move uh the hardest part i think was because it's like a you know 25 to 30 hour game uh, just keeping the games like fun and interesting and so we had to like find ways to add depth to them and allow them to evolve so that the player didn't get really good at them in the beginning and then just find the rest of the game boring. So when you upgrade the skills, does that also modify the minigame or...? Uh, yeah, so um, upgrading skills will like, um, like when you level up, like certain uh, minigames, like we have got one that's sort of like a, um, it's sort of like a Space Invaders kind of thing where you can like shoot LPs at enemies, but as you um, get stronger you can start shooting, you know, more of them. Or depending on the type of weapon you have, it'll change. Like maybe it'll start shooting in a V shape instead of straight forward, or something like that. So uh, the weapon, like stronger weapons, will dictate how that plays out. Now, did the uh, story, as far as like your cast of characters that can be in your party, was the story the driving factor of that, or did you make like all the mini games, all the moves, and all the characters, and then build the story around it? Um, I, the mini games came after the characters. We tried to kind of um, base a lot of them on their personalities and like the kind of weapons that they use. Has it been uh, has it been hard developing a lot of the mini games? Like, did you have a character and then kind of try to have to come up with mini games? But uh, yeah, there are definitely like a couple of mini games that we tried. They just weren't working. Or some characters you're like, oh, how do we do this? This is going to be interesting. Like how many peaceful protests mini yeah, games? Yeah. What are some of the peaceful protesters mini games? Uh, so you can choose to um, talk to enemies, and then you have like a sort of uh, Shin Megami Tensei style dialogue tree with them, or you can either get them to retreat, or they'll just get mad at you, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. So um, thanks for being on the question bus. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug? 
Um, no, that's it. We have a demo coming out for the game on the 6th. If you go to y2krpg.com, you can find that there. There's a download link. Okay, do you have any, like, social medias or anything? Uh, yeah, um, we're at Studios, A-C-K-K Studios, um, on, uh, Twitter. Yeah, do you have, like, a personal Twitter? Uh, I don't, uh, that's just the one that we use. For okay, the- cool, cool. Um, well, I hope you have a good rest of the show. Uh, what's the next thing you're gonna fix as soon as you get home? Um... <laughs> That's, I'm not sure. There's a couple of different uh, little glitches I noticed here. Not too big. Uh, this weird little collider issue in this one area I'm going to look at next because people are tripping over it a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, it's good to have a list of, like, I've had these shows are always just a good list yeah. of things I should do. Yeah, it's always fun to watch people play it, and they play it different than you play it, and you go, oh, I didn't think of that. So, yeah. And that was the uh, last of the three interviews for the grand finale, episode 52 of the Question Bus. Um, uh, I'd like to thank myself for being on the Question Bus, as well as everybody who I've interviewed. And uh, it's been a great pleasure uh, doing this, and I've had a great time. And and also, I've made some good social kind of bonds with people, which is something I did not expect out of this podcast. Um, Because... I wouldn't think recording a 50-minute interview would make people a little bit closer, but it did. So, yeah, I got I got an even broader circle of game developer friends and industry friends, and and uh, it's been a great experience. Really enjoyed it. Um, and definitely do it because I find it fun. Like, it's not something I'm... I'm trying to monetize right now or trying to uh, use as a, as a platform. It's kind of... It's just something fun I like to do, and and I kind of subscribe to. I have a really great friend Graham Hamilton who kind of subscribes to the thought of like if you like something, you should probably try and make it. Um, so that that was kind of the main one of the main inspirations of doing this podcast, as well as like Dave, seeing Dave Lang do it. Not that I want to do everything Dave Lang does, but if he can do it, I should be able to do it, right? Like, it, there's not a lot of game developer on the road podcasts. I mean, you got Idle Thumbs and their, um, their force of podcasts. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a fun experience, um, and I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, don't know exactly what that's going to be. I mean, I've talked about some ideas, um, but another thing I wanted to talk about just to just 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 to you people who are still listening to this podcast three interviews in three intros in and you're still listening i've created an email called the question bus at kiermyron.com which you should be able to spell both of those really at this point um but yeah if you want to send any questions there send them i don't know what i'm going to use those for or what uh, exact format that's going to encompass but yeah if you have questions email the question bus at com, and they might get answered which is exciting and also it might be nice as a little filler because I wouldn't want to leave you guys for too long If I, and if I'm doing like a higher production thing for season 2 or doing a more in depth thing or want to line up kind of the perfect season before before um, uploading it uh, an email question format might be good for for uh to kind of tide people over while i get season two sorted out um but yeah it's a it's a it's been a fun experience um as far as stuff to plug because i always ask that question which is which is hilarious like how nine out of ten people don't immediately have a spiel but you can follow me on twitter at Kiermyron. You can follow me on Instagram at Kiermyron. If you can't spell Kier or Myron, which I understand a lot of people misspell it, but that's kind of key to following me on social media. Uh, you can also follow me on Snapchat. Um, don't post a lot there. Uh, use it more as a communication tool, but I've kind of been posting stuff there because uh, I go to this like all games arcade in Vancouver. It's kind of pop up all games Vancouver. I'll, I'll post stuff there. It's kind of it's kind of more of a venue of me like shouting out a game that looks cool um very casually i also did some of that during the belgium trip 
which I took with Chris Barassa and Jeff Tanksock. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, email the question bus, follow me on whatever you got. Uh, Darkest Dungeons is still on sale uh, as far as like purchasable. It's not on discount at this moment to my knowledge, but yeah, it's available. I don't really plug Darkest Dungeon a lot on this podcast, um, but it's out on Steam and PS4 and GOG and Humble um, and the Apple Store. Uh, so yeah, so you got lots of places you can play Darkest Dungeon. A lot of cool stuff's gonna be coming this year, um, which I can't really talk about because I don't know exactly what's NDA and what's not. But if you follow Darkest Dungeon on Twitter or follow me on Twitter, I'll definitely be posting about it. So yeah, a lot of exciting things. Uh, excited for season two and. Yeah, I hope you've hope you've had a great ride on the question bus, and uh, I hope you have enjoyed season one, the road show, which I didn't really name. I didn't start the season going like, oh, it's called the road show. But I think at the end of the day, now question bus season one, the road show. <laughs>